Welcome back to The Bunt, the number one podcast in skateboarding. Brought to you by the number one shoe in skateboarding. It's Vans, baby, and it ain't even close. (laughs) (laughs) Off the wall since 1960, motherfucking six. Drop that bitch. told y'all this is the season of ships the toronto raptors are the best in the world and this is going to be the best season yet we were about to take the whole damn summer off and we decided to come back and do it for the people i'm d jones i got the ghost riding shotgun with me ants one behind the scenes it's a cool thing still and baby we are back ghosts what's good man Yo, season nine, eh? Shit, cuz. Number nine, just like Sergi Block on the raps, leading the parade yesterday on the first bus. Mafuzi! Chef of Satan. We hyped to be back. Obviously, we're riding a high over here in T-Dot. Once the raps locked it in, we knew we had to get back on these airwaves. And this week, we bring in you none other than the legend himself, Rob Sluggo Boys. Taking y'all straight to the post office, catching up on emails, and then you know what time it is. The Rundown, baby, a.k.a. The Raps Down. Let's get into it. We're breaking down the playoff run, but first and foremost, big shout out to Vans, taking us out to House of Vans, Vancouver. Got to do a live episode with Sluggo. Spend a couple days in Vancouver with the man. Thank you again, Sluggo. It was a hell of an experience. Yo, make sure y'all tune in and follow us at The Bunt Live on Instagram, at The Bunt on Facebook, and send in your emails and voice notes to thebuntlive at gmail.com. Man, people been asking us about our website. What's good with the website? When's it going to get updated? Shit's looking kind of old. Where are the clothes at? Well, we finally got an answer for y'all. The website is being remodeled as we speak. The clothing is looking crispy as ever. It's going to be a barn burner of a drop. Trust me on that. You see it? Shit's popping. July 3rd, man. Y'all fucking better stay tuned. July 3rd. Last time we dropped shit, a bunch of y'all unfortunately were messaging us saying it ran out before you could get to it. So be on point this time. July 3rd, 7 p.m. EST. Let's go. Celebrate the Raptors championship with a Bunt Live championship tee of your very own. Get your little piece of history, baby. Y'all know we was a part of it, and y'all know we had a hand in the Raptors winning, so you're going to want to be a part of this. So as y'all know, we've been off for quite a while. Personally, I thought we were going to stay off in June, July, and August and hit y'all back when school popped back up in September, but the ghost, being the man he is, had to get back on the airwaves, and I agreed. So you know he's got a shout-out of the week because we ain't been here in a while, baby. Hey, it's been a long break, but shit. The part I got on repeat these days is our main man, Dom Henry, in Cottonopolis. Go check it. YouTube, it's right there. Free Skate Mag posted it. One of the fucking best underground skaters. We got to put a little more shine on this motherfucker. Lots of shine, man. Lots of shine. Dom, maybe one day we'll get you on here, baby. Dom Henry, Cottonopolis, YouTube, it's there. 
free skate mag. So like we said, we got Rob, Sluggo, boys in the building. Y'all know who it is, skating the Backstreet Boys, doing backflips, working on a Switch one. We were lucky enough to spend some time with him, become, uh, what I'd like to say, good friends with the man, wouldn't you? Hell yeah. So as y'all know, Red Dragon through and through. Let's get into this interview, baby. Oh, not so fast. You forgot about tradition around these parts, eh? No, nah, no, nah, I forget. I'm, I'm, I'm hopping up off my chair right now and heading to the fridge for what? Yeah, get your ass off the chair. Crack us two of them green cans. Canada's premium pilsner, Steam Whistle. The only booth with the one and only rob sluggo boyce what's happening man how are your frequencies today my frequencies are high thanks for having me guys i'm really stoked to be on the show fuck yeah sluggo so we start every show off the same hit us with your favorite sports moment and your favorite skate moment my favorite sports moment is definitely when george st pierre won back his belt from matt sarah in montreal uh, my brother and I were sitting front row right next to George's mom and dad. What? He won the belt. We all jumped up, and the four of us hugged each other and danced around <laughs> for about five minutes. So, yeah, that was the greatest. So cool, man. That's almost like being a, even more a part of the event than just sitting front row. Being with the family, feeling th what they're into, man, how intense it was. Big moment for Canadian MMA, right? It was insane. My brother, uh, he somehow met this woman, Donna Macaroni. She's the marketing lady for the UFC. So anytime the UFC comes to Canada, he gets free tickets. Wow. So we had no idea when we went to the booth where we, what kind of tickets we were going to get. And we showed up and we're like, we're walking down, walking down. Man, it should be. And we're like, front row, <laughs> wow. front row and meet George's mom and dad. It was trippy. It was trippy, man. That's awesome. Favorite skate moment? Uh, favorite skate moment. I'd say probably in 1995, Colin McKay winning Slam City Jam in Vancouver in front of all of our friends Crazy. and family. Hell yeah. That Hometown. was a big deal. Yeah, that was a real Hometown big deal. Hometown hero move. It was super cool. Yeah, that <laughs> was it for sure. So take us back to the beginning. Where'd you come up and how'd you get into skating? Uh, I started skating in 1986, uh, February 14th, 1986. I fell in my math class, Rob O'Sullivan. He looked over at me and he's like, you should uh, come watch me skateboard sometime. I'm the yeah. best skateboarder in Vancouver. <laughs> and I'm Big like, claim. wow, <laughs> yeah, man, I'll come watch you skate. So that day after school, I showed up at the skate park and he looks over and he sees me all wide-eyed and runs over to me and goes, dude, I never in a million years thought you were going to come to the park. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to come, and I'm not the best skateboarder in Vancouver. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> so we had a big laugh about this, and he's like, don't say, say anything about that. I'm like, no, man, I promise I won't. So, <laughs> and uh, he handed me his, his Schmidt stick, and uh, it was at Sealem Bowls in North Vancouver. And I started rolling through, and I rolled over one of the hips, and I didn't know how to adjust your weight, and I just went flying, ate shit, and I jumped up all happy with a big smile on my face i'm like man this is for me i love yeah. this yeah all right man before we go any further i don't even think either of us know the answer to this question where'd the name the nickname sluggo come from okay the nickname sluggo came from this guy orion anthony and he was one of the best skateboarders at the sealand skate park okay. back in the day everyone's claiming that yeah he rode for <laughs> sma mm -hmm. and uh he had dreads and he was like he was a real character and 
he's like, hey, hey, kid, Sluggo. <laughs> like me? He goes, yeah, you look like Sluggo. And then everyone at the park heard him and was mm-hmm. like, okay, you're Sluggo from now on. Hey, Sluggo, get out of the fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And that was it. And that was Sluggo from Man, that day forth. must just think it's actually your name now or like your middle name or something. It's more than a nickname. Yeah, for sure. Sluggo boys. That's yeah. everyone in every industry I'm involved in. Every time I text you, yeah. I'm not sure if I should say Rob or Sluggo. <laughs> it works. So I just go back and forth, alternate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I answer to Bobby, Rob, or Sluggo, depending on if you're a family friend or yeah. fan, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. So what was your first big break in the skate industry? First big break? Uh, I would say, you know, the first thing for every skater is your shop, shop sponsor. Mm-hmm. So I got free hardware from Zero Gravity. <laughs> oh, shit. From uh, Danny Arnold. And uh, I guess the one that came after that, Kevin Harris gave me my very first... It was a foam core Rob Roscop Santa Cruz board. I guess Ultimate Distribution had brought a bunch in and they couldn't mm-hmm. sell them. So he gave me uh, a free board, thinking that maybe <laughs> if I was riding it, it would, it would pop off. Uh, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Kevin Harris was the first guy to give me a break and give me a free board. And Kevin Harris was the guy to give me my first break, period. Uh, Stacy Peralta came to town in the, in the late 80s to film one of the Powell videos. And he was filming Colin McKay, Casey McKay, and Richard Grissett, three of the young guys that rode for Powell at the time. Mm. So I got a message from my mom. Kevin Harris said to come out to the Richmond Skate Ranch. And so me and Rick Howard were skating around downtown. And that's how you checked in. You didn't have a beeper. You didn't have a cell phone. You phoned home to see if anybody phoned for you. (laughs) And then mom's like, get out to the Richmond Skate Ranch. So I went out there, met Stacy Peralta. He's like, man, we got six people on Powell Peralta in Vancouver already. But meet me in Seattle in two weeks at the Gotcha Grind Vert Contest, and I'll introduce you to somebody. Wow. I'm like, yeah, cool. So go to that contest with Colin. His Colin's dad, mom and dad, brought us down there. And uh, after the event, we met Stacy backstage, and he introduced me to a guy named Henry Hester. And Henry Hester was a big wig in skateboarding that I had no idea about in the 70s, the Henry Hester series, mm-hmm. like Vert or pool riding, like slalom, high jump, that sort of thing. Okay. And, he's, and he ran GNS skateboards, Gordon and Smith. And he's like, this is Sluggo. He's going to ride for you now. And I'm like, who is this guy? Like, this guy owns Powell Peralta, and he can just introduce me to another guy and tell him to put me on your team? Like, I'm like, wow, legit. So that was, uh, that was my big break, and that all came through Kevin Harris. Mm-hmm. Big things. So eventually you became a part of the Deluxe family? I did. I did. On my way down to film the GNS video back in 1990, uh, our car broke down, our truck broke down in San Francisco. So I got stuck there and I got to meet the team manager for Thunder at the time, Steve Shrugge. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to meet all the SF boys like Julian Stranger, Noah Peacock, Sean Martin, a bunch of dudes. And everything was going good with GNS, but uh, we were going uh, into AM finals okay. that year. And they're like, man, you should ride for this new company, Real. Wow. I'm like, like I'm one of a million on GNS, and I'm like, someone's asking me to ride for a brand new company. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it would turn into what real skateboards. Yeah. Holy yeah. cow! So uh, I rode the AM finals on real, and I was like their first amateur, and then I they turned me pro. Damn. A little bit later, but yeah, that's how I got in. Still, Steve Shrugge, hmm. Jeff Clint, and eventually I met Tommy and Jim. Wow! Hey, shout out to the Deluxe Fam, dude. We yeah. got nothing but love for them. We're lucky to be a small part of that as well. Yeah. 
They are, guys are the best. The greatest dudes. Jim Thebow is an uh, angel. He is uh, a gift from God. Straight up. Uh, so they turned you pro in 91. How much of a surprise was that? Did they surprise you? And how epic was that for you? Yeah, it was mind-blowing. Uh, we were going to do the European Tour 1991, going to the Munster World Championships. So I flew from Vancouver to San Francisco. And in the airport lobby, they handed me my very first model. It was uh, no you know, 10 boards, and I'm just like, oh, what a dream come true. For every skater, it's a dream come true to get your first model. Mm-hmm. But, man, to get it from Tommy and Jim, that was amazing. Yeah. That's crazy. Me and Donna were three and four years old at the time, man. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I go way back. <laughs> so can you tell us the story of the James Kelch pro party night? Yeah, for sure. James Kelch, if you don't know who he is, he's Big Dirt from Embarcadero. He was the enforcer and one hell of a skateboarder. Mm-hmm. He had a mean pop. He could backside, tailside the, the giant ledge and that sort of thing. Anybody had a problem at EMB, he took care of it. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Uh, he was a good guy to have on your side. He was going pro for real in 1993, and Bryce Knights was having a, a party for him at his ramp, Studio 43. Mm-hmm. So James knew everybody. He knew all the skaters, all the street-level thugs, and all the gangsters. And so what they're going to do for James's board is do this photo of all his friends and him standing in front. So he had this giant cast of characters there at this, at this party. And some of the crews started popping off, throwing cans at us, skating and stuff. Yeah. And Steve Shrugge, the Thunder team manager who I mentioned earlier, he threw a can back, and these guys weren't having it. Yeah. So they jumped down. And smoked uh, Steve Shrugge. And I'm like, oh, man, in Vancouver, if that happened, all the skaters popped off and there yeah. was a big fight and la-di-da. So me and Jeff Pang <laughs> ran in. Jeff Pang's from New York. I think he works for Supreme now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started helping Shrugge out fighting all these dudes. And it turned out to be just me and Jeff Pang fighting like six, seven dudes. <laughs> and all the SF boys and all the LA boys just stood there and watched. It was kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, that was the fight. I'm not super proud of that moment, but... You know, you stand up for your friends. Crazy. God damn it, James. <laughs> it was crazy. Like, they ran out to the car and got a gun and everything, and the police oh. had to come. It was it was a scary situation, especially back then, yeah. Combining all sorts of groups, man. You never know what's going to happen, right? Yeah, you never know. <laughs> hey, when the guns come out. <laughs> yeah. We, we, I'm ducking and running. Yeah, definitely a scared little boy from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> ran this very same contest for 12 straight weeks last season and it was such a hit chpo is doing it for the people again real simple week one we run in this one back our logo is hidden somewhere on the chpo brand website that's chpobrand.com get there asap find the logo send a screenshot to us at the live at gmail.com and you're gonna have some fresh Diamonds on your wrist in no time. It's stunting season, baby. Y'all need your shades, you need your watches, and this is the place to get them. CHPOBrand.com. Get there now. So after some years on Real, you made the transition to World Industries. What was behind that decision? At that time, uh, Colin, Moses, and myself, we were traveling everywhere together. And Colin wrote for Plan B, and Plan B was being distributed through World Industries at the time. 
so I think that was part of the decision-making process. Just wanted to be with Colin. Uh, Steve was starting to do a snowboard program for World Industries, and he asked me to be part of that. And so it was basically a business decision. I left Real because it was just skateboarding, and I was moving over to World because I could do snow and skate. And it turned out to be really good. So that's why I did it. Nice. So you ended up retiring from World Industries in 2002. On top of your game, same year you dropped your FSU part. You're, you're one of the rare ones who retired on their own terms. What went into that decision? You know, I'd been pro for uh, going on 12 years. And 12 years as a professional skateboarder, I was like a great-grandfather in the skateboard industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'd, I'd done everything I really wanted to do. I had uh, center distribution, Red Dragon clothing going, and I was already a full-time stuntman. And so I figured the money I was making, it was only like a, a few grand from World at that point. I, w- I had retired from snowboarding because as soon as my son was born, I retired because it was so freaking dangerous to be yeah. snowboarding in the backcountry. I wanted that money to go to one of the young guys. Mm-hmm. And so, man, I wow. did my bid in the skateboard world and I was just going to move on. And That's the and best way to go out, man. It sucks when uh, you see some of your favorite pros who are still like kind of hanging on, you know? They're getting on companies that are not the greatest anymore, but... Totally, man. It, 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 was, it was a really good feeling. And the funny thing is, retire from skateboarding, you retire from your sponsors because mm-hmm. you never leave skateboarding. Like stop, I, right? I, I started skateboarding, I don't know, I skateboard even better now than when I was younger. Just mm-hmm. smarter, you know? Yeah. I have more fun now, that's for sure. There's no pressures. I don't have to do anything but go have fun. Yeah. Well, yeah, the crazy part is you retired the same year that RDS FSU video dropped, which is like you were pretty much on top of your game. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Uh, things were going really good skate-wise. Because business-wise was good. RDS was doing really good. Center distribution was doing real good. I was super high vibe, high frequency. Life was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter had just been born. I had just moved into a brand new house. My wife and I had uh, two beautiful kids. And stunts were popping. Like I was yeah. working a lot in the movie industry and TV industry. and You know, as, as healthy as I could possibly be. So that makes sense that I'd be skating the best I could possibly be skating. Yeah. Like I said, it, was, it wasn't it was because of my ability level. It was just because it was time to move on. Mm-hmm. A mental switch. I respect that for sure. So speaking of your part, you infamously skated to uh, Backstreet Boys. <laughs> In did. the intro, you don't sound too happy about it, but it turned into an iconic part, legendary part. Looking back on it now, are you happy it worked out the way it did? Man, what Colin and Moses did for me with that video part... Uh, you know, it, it, it is iconic, and it is something I'm really proud of so many years later. Uh, I, anytime that song starts, it a flood of memories. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody who skateboards uh, and hears that song, they probably think of me, and it's, it's really rad. It's, it's funny, it's the Backstreet Boys, and it worked really good, you know, and it showcased all of my abilities. Mm-hmm. Skateboarding, snowboarding, gymnastics, breakdancing, and tomfoolery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's one of like that video came out in our first couple of years of skating. Definitely like early. Such a legendary video for us because that was I, like me and my buddy Phil. That was one of our fav- like first favorite videos that we had mm-hmm. on on repeat. And your part was definitely insane. <laughs> inspirational. Ryan Smith's part was one that like was the best too. Paul Macnow as well. Mike Hasty, Sean Hayes, Colin, Danny, Jason Ellis, Kane Gale, Bucky Lassick. Man, it, uh, the whole you, dude, man. legendary Insane. squad. Amazing. Did you guys have any idea how legendary the video would be? Because it's like 
Everyone knows that one. Yeah, no, no way did we know. But you know, and I coming back to Colin and Moses, those guys, those guys really knew what they were doing. They knew what was was gonna be hot at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I think they they had a rough idea what they were doing. Yeah, I I didn't know. I'll be honest. <laughs> like I had no idea what I had in store. That was like the perfect combination of both the young and old RDS. Yeah, you guys like had a younger team that was popping off, like you said, Hasty. Yeah, uh, Ryan Smith, and then the older guys still in their prime. Man, it was like yeah. a perfect marriage. It was a perfect marriage. Yeah, no, we were really lucky to have those boys take take the reins and, and make that video. I think uh, Sean Johnson and Sean Kearns might have had something to do with it. Those guys had uh, Boozy the Clown. You know who that is? The whiskey videos. Mm-hmm. They were the videos so. that came before Jackass, oh. and they were like drinking, snowboarding, fighting Canadian ones. Canadian ones, yeah. and. They tried to re-release them later, but they couldn't get the music rights, and mm-hmm. that's why they never released the the first real video again, because wow, okay. music rights right. and everybody gets in trouble these days. Like oh, you yeah. can't put out a video with the crazy music that we no. used to have. Well, it's tough. You're gonna pay pay a yeah. pretty penny. Yeah, you gotta be supreme to get those rights. Right. <laughs> but speaking of RDS, while we're on it, just give us a quick backstory of how it all began and how many years have you guys been together. Red Dragons, been together for about 30 years. Jesus. Wow. You know, a long time, a long time. And, you know, when I say 30 years, we didn't have a business plan 30 years ago. No, but you're a skate crew. Yeah, skate crew. We've been a business for 22 years. So that's a long time to be in business making clothes. And, uh, you know, we have skateboard teams. It was just a bunch of guys running around being skaters. Yeah. Eventually, we opened a skateboard shop and then a distribution and then a clothing company. And it's still... Powered out goods, you know. <laughs> it's, it's the longest running Canadian brand, for sure. And when you go into a skateboard shop uh, anywhere in Canada, we're the only core skateboard brand on the shelf. Like everybody else is publicly traded, like Volcom, Billabong, Quicksilver, mm-hmm. you know, DC, Nixon. They're all publicly traded on the stock market, and we're just, you know, core skaters that are still yeah. doing our shit. It's insane. Hey, you guys blessed some of my all-time favorites the paul treps of the world yeah thank you for putting out trep they're putting trep on trips and getting us some epic video parts to remember forever absolutely we've been lucky getting to sponsor all the very best in canada at some point in time like they come through us and they got to move on to bigger and better things and that's cool but at some point most of the best skaters in canada Mm -hmm. rode for red dragon and rds has their fingerprints on a lot of guys man yeah wade d yeah x dragon We're Kalia. really proud of all the guys, everybody. Our, our Cody team Brown. now, Ryan Desenzo, Mickey Papa, Scott Desenzo, TJ Rogers. Man, all those guys. Jason Ellis. <laughs> Jason yeah. Ellis. He's one of our favorite riders. Hey, you guys might have some riders in the Olympics coming real soon. Yeah, real exciting stuff. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be tight to see who makes it for Canada, but whoever represents us is going to be uh, making us proud, that's for sure. Hell yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little about... A little bit about your homie Moses. How do you say his last name? Moses Ikkonen. Moses Ikkonen. His name is Joseph Ikkonen. That's what I was going to say. Another <laughs> Canadian legend. He is a legend. Not going by his real name, man. <laughs> no. Where did Moses come from and what does that mean? Uh, Moses came from Mission. And Moses is an acronym for, man, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I'll blow it. But uh, Moses is amazing. He runs Center Distribution now. He's the CEO. So he looks at the bottom line and decides if it's financially feasible and says yes or no to things. He's, okay. the, he's the bad guy. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, known, says, he's known as an enforcer, man. Uh, You're talking a, about James Couch, but 
Oh, yeah. In Canada, Moses is known as the enforcer. Back when he was young, he had quite a temper on him. <laughs> he did. He'd go after any security guard or bus driver or, you know. Yeah, Moses is great. Funny story about Moses is uh, he used to ride for Powell Peralta at the same time Colin did. And so just like any young skater, they film everything they do. So they're filming all kinds of stuff downtown Vancouver, skating. And uh, they, one of the things him and Danny and, and Colin would do is they'd pie people. And, you know, like driving along and then just pie people outside of the car. Like, you know, r- real harmless stuff But in this day and age. But that, that tape made it down to Powell in Santa Barbara. And I guess Tony Hawk saw what they were doing. Uh-huh. And he got kind of bummed, and he had Moses thrown off Powell for throwing a pie on somebody. <laughs> <laughs> One of the funniest things you may have heard for someone getting booted, man. You've heard some funny ones, but... T-Hawk wasn't having it, man. No. Well, funny. he landed on his feet. He had a long, legendary uh, career as well, so it's all good. He did. He did. He went through Real Skateboards, Mad Circle, uh, Platinum, and I think the last time he dropped a board was recently on Skull Skates. Wow, yeah, one of the greatest front noses of all time. Great style. Yeah, good man. Ghost, summer is here. Winter is in the rear view, which means we cleaning out our closets. It's time for some brand new gear from Brixton. What's the new hot shit they cooking up over at Brixton for summer, dog? Hey, D. Jones, you know I'm the master of boxes. I got us taken care of. For you, <laughs> I'm ordering the Hilt short sleeve pocket knit. You gonna look fly as hell. And I hate to do it to you, but I saved the best for myself. I'm going with the Pablo short sleeve knit. <laughs> I don't think Dundas West is ready for us done down the street on the way to Dunbat. <laughs> Brixton. If y'all trying to step up your game like us, check out the latest from Brixton at Brixton on Instagram, Brixton.com on the World Wide Web, and at Brixton MFG on Twitter. So we mentioned it quickly before, but you transitioned into being a stuntman, working on countless movies and TV shows over the years. How did that start? Were you still skating at the time? I was still skating at the time. I uh, I got to be... In 1995, I got special skills. It wasn't being a stuntman. Special skills means you just have an ability. Like, and it was skateboarding. Mm-hmm. And so The NeverEnding Story. Have you guys heard of that movie? Of course. The NeverEnding Story. <laughs> like, yeah, it's this big white dragon flying Yeah, the, the, the and, dog dragon. Yeah, yeah, the dog dragon. And so... Part, Atreyu! Artax! Part, <laughs> 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 no! <laughs> Everybody's seen that movie. So I got to be in not one, not two, but part three of that one. And oh, so part three. Damn, part you missed three, it. like, yeah. Okay. And so I was in this, skating around and having a food fight and mm-hmm. playing in this shopping mall. And so that was my first experience in film, 1995. But a few years later, 1998, we were skating. Alex Chalmers and I were skating a vert ramp. And the stunt coordinator walked in and said, hey, do you guys want to be in a, in a movie? And we're like, I think Alex is rocking the bong. And like, really, you want us to go try out for this movie? Like, yeah, show up at this address tomorrow. So me and Alex are like, yeah, okay, we'll check it out. And we go, and it's this 16-foot-tall vert ramp in a bowl. And it's painted like a, a giant, uh, it's, it's silver, so it's supposed to be made of metal. And it looks okay. sort of like a football field, soccer field. 
and all these ex-CFL, NHL players on rollerblades, and they want us to skate through these guys while they knock us off our boards. (laughs) (laughs) And so they did so. (laughs) (laughs) So for the next two hours, (laughs) they're like, you might want to put a helmet on. (laughs) And so, yeah, they took us out, and that was our first experience. So we got hired to work on this movie called Future Sport, and we just skateboarded around, pretended we were playing some fake game, and uh, yeah, three weeks of that. Made really good money and crazy. That was something I definitely wanted to continue to do. So I became a stuntman. Oh yeah. So being the sports fans we are, we're about our statistics over here at the Bunt. How many times exactly have you died on screen? You think? Oh man, if I show up on set, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> like guaranteed, I, I I die every single time I show up. I get shot, hit by a car, thrown downstairs, thrown out a window. Lit on fire, you know, explosions. So I die every time. It, you know, it's, it's heavy to get your head around. You're going to die every single time you show up. I would say, I would say no less than 5,000 times. <laughs> <laughs> What's the craziest death bit? Wow. Most memorable one. Uh, you know, I always like the explosions because you don't have to fake it. Like you're sure. running next to a wall or something and then there's just this giant ball of fire boom and you don't have to time it because yeah. it blows you over <laughs> 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 so I, I like explosions a lot i like falling i'm good at falling skateboarding yeah. makes you really does, good at man. falling you and see uh, those regular people out there they they fall over <laughs> like, hit a crack stuff yeah. they don't know how to do it man no yeah no i like i like explosions was it fully flared that must have been impressive for you to see that I heard that one actually the fucked skaters. him up, didn't he? Yeah, Mike like, Moe? Yeah. Uh, the switch flip, right? Yeah. Man. Didn't they blow too early or I something? I think there's, like, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, no, that was impressive. Like, to have that much uh, of an explosion go and you have to make your trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot of pressure. There's yeah. the reset on that. Like, I've been a lot of stunts that go wrong and I have to reset it and it takes, like, two, three hours. Oh. It's a big nightmare. Yeah. But, no, I was really impressed with Mike Moe for pulling it off. That's a huge, stressful situation. I like Mike Mo. Yeah. So you retired in 2002, and fast forward to 2016, the Dime Boys, the visionaries that they are, had a feeling flying you out would be, you know, just make the weekend that much more epic. You yeah. ended up being the MVP of the whole contest. How epic was that for you, the resurgence of Sluggo in, <laughs> in the Canadian skate game? Man, uh how that came about happening is the Vans Park series went to Hastings and I landed the backflip for the first time in front of my hometown yeah. uh, friends and family and the fucking place went nuts. And I sort of like, I, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a showman. So when I landed, it wasn't just me landing it. No, I jumped around. Yeah. <laughs> got everyone got, got all happy. Yeah. And so Bob LaSalle came over to me and said, Hey, we're doing this thing in Montreal. Oh. You should come. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I had no idea. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but then I got on the plane and I got there and my buddy, Sean Laidlaw, teenager, uh, a lifelong red dragon. He uh, works at Menu. He's a designer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he knew all about Dime, and we, we headed out there. And, man, they treated us like kings out there. It was so, mm-hmm. so fun. From the moment we landed to the moment we left, it was, uh, it was chaotic. <laughs> it was super fun. All the Dime boys. Are good and guys. me and Donna were there. You, you we were actually, you, to be there. You were the worthy <laughs> MVP, man. 100%. Fucking. What was the, the highlight of the whole weekend? Yeah, we ask this question, favorite skate moment all the time, but we never really get to answer ours. But one of ours for sure is you on the rolling. When they hit the Backstreet Boys, you ripped your shirt off. <laughs> D- Dutchmaster passed you a doobie, and it was time, man. Backflip into the foam pit. 
That's one of ours. The, the, crowd, the crowd went wild. And then getting surprised at Peace Park with the limos to go bowling. Oh, insane. That, that was one of the best weekends of all time. That was so fun. I had to, that entire weekend, uh, I had to live that through Instagram mostly because I don't remember all that much of it. <laughs> Instagram was flying that. There's a lot of footage. Yeah, no shortage of it. That's for sure. Yeah, that was fun. I love Montreal. Montreal. Oh. I've, I only have good times in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Fucking shortly after the contest, you ended up getting a dime tattoo on the sole of your foot. Epic decision. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty crazy. I uh, I knew if I got the dime. Uh, tattoo on the bottom of my foot it wasn't going to last long I know when you get a tattoo on your hand or your bottom of your feet your skin dies so mm-hmm. quickly but there is a little bit of remnants that it was there but <laughs> I, I stoked out on the feeling so much I went back the very next day and got the RDS tattoo on the other foot <laughs> yeah. so it uh, it was cool I would never do that again <laughs> it was a different stage in my life for sure so shortly after Glory Challenge you decided to go sober which uh, many of us probably should have as well. <laughs> what was behind that decision, man? And help us, dog. Help us. Well, my decision to quit drinking came at uh, at the right time in my life. I just decided like I was going to change gears and change timelines and see what was going to happen in the mm-hmm. sober route. And man, did I make the best decision of my life, dude? You're flying, man. Yeah, thanks very much. Bring serious energy, hell of a time. Yeah, I'm really happy. I decided to quit drinking. <laughs> Unfortunately. You were on Thrasher's Hall of Meat, but it was epic as fuck. Can you take us behind the scenes on the backflip to Fakie at Hastings? Oh, yeah. Oh, that was brutal. Uh, yeah, I was trying to land the backflip at Hastings, and I bailed it, and my knee pad landed back on my board. No oh. big deal. So as soon yeah, as my... you can see your feet get caught up, but it's hard to tell what really happens. Yeah, so my, my knees... When you go to your knees, you usually just take a step or two and then you jump to your knees. I took yeah. a step or two and, and landed back on my skateboard. So the, yeah. I landed on the board. It skidded out. My face hit the flat. Mm-hmm. It was a lot more blood. It looked a lot worse than it was. but it looks sick going back, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you look, yeah, you look so gnarly like MMA, like you just got out of the ring or something. But you took it like a champ and that was an epic clip. Is that the day you landed it? No, I didn't even land it that year. After that slam, I... I I hung it up. Took some time. I did. So you're 49 now. Body's been through a lot. Take us through a little bit of your injury history, your frequent flyer MRI status, <laughs> okay, and breaking your back on a scorpion, man. Yeah, I've you know like any skateboarder, you go through a lot of injuries. My both my scaphoids, I broke a bunch of times in mm-hmm. your wrists. So I got a pin in one. Neither one works anymore, so I can't do hand plants or inverts because my wrists don't flex. Wow. <laughs> And, uh, you know, ACL, blew up my ACL, blown up my back, broke my ankle. I've done everything, you know, everything any skater does. Mm-hmm. Except the reason I have so many, I guess, is I never stopped skating, so I just continued to accumulate yeah. injuries. I, uh, I blew up my back in 2015, I guess. I did a face plant skating my vert ramp and herniated uh, two discs, L4, L5, mm-hmm. and I uh, had to get some surgery. And uh, the surgery didn't work. Then they did the surgery again. And the next time it worked and yoga got me all better. Dude. Hey, as as fucked up and shitty as that is, the beautiful thing is we're out here in Vancouver with you. Did a day in the life with you the other day and you're still out here shredding yeah. Hastings like you're fucking still 20-something years mm-hmm. old. It's uh, an inspiration to be around. Yeah. Thanks very much. You just got to never stop. If you stop, 
you know, that's that's when everything piles up. I'm just never going to stop. Hell yeah. Fucking right, man. That's that's it's good to hear for me, man. I'm a young I'm I'm following in your footsteps, let's put it that way. A few yeah. surgeries later. <laughs> yeah, just take care of yourself. Between injuries, take care of yourself. Eat right. Drink lots of water. <laughs> so what's next for Rob Sluggo Boyce? What's next? Well, I'm going to join enjoy the uh, the House of Vans this weekend, and I got uh, the next summer gig I got is Sacred Lies. I'm doing a TV series for Facebook, so that's going to take me to September, and uh, you know, just enjoy the sun the most I, as much as I can. Go skating as much as I can. Hey man, his whole family skates. We should mention that too. Absolutely. Your son's out there. You said your daughter can kickflip. We were out skating with you and your wife the other day. Oh, that, have you guys ever all skated together? Yeah, we have. My uh, my wife Kelsey and my daughter Araya were at Hastings Park just about a week ago, all shredded up for about an hour. <laughs> it, it's the coolest thing. It's the coolest thing. All my I do everything with my kids. So my kids, we did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu together, gymnastics together. My son and I kickboxed together. And we skate together. My son can, can backside air pretty much on a vert ramp and drop in on a vert ramp. And he's been skating his whole life. And my son is now a stuntman himself, Liam Boys. Uh, yeah, they do everything I do. Insane, man. It's epic, man. Y'all know what time it is. It's Rapid Fire with the Ghost. And this week, we brought to you by none other than Spitfire Formula 4 tablets. Straight cut profile, thin riding surface, speed and control for the sick. Like Ashadware, Bobby DeKaiser, Hialte Halberg. You already know what the fuck it is. Available now at Southside, Orchard, Slappy's Garage, Sanction Skate, High Rollers, and skate shops around the world. All right, Sluggo, let's fly through this rapid fire on the Spitfire Formula 4 tablets. All right, Sluggo, time for that rapid fire. You ready? I'm ready. (laughs) Favorite skater? Colin McKay. Favorite video? FSU 2002. Hell yeah. No other answer, man. Yeah. Favorite video part? I'm going to say Danny Way, questionable. Favorite style? Uh, Evan Smith. Which skater had the biggest influence on the way you skate? Steve Caballero, Christian Asoy. Most talented skateboarder on planet Earth? Uh, Chris Haslam. Oh, sick. Favorite trick? Probably 540s. <laughs> <laughs> Hardest trick sick. for you? Hardest trick for me is frontside blunts. Most illegal trick? Benny Hanna. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite clip you've ever gotten? Tail grab 720. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. That's insane. Gnarliest trick you've ever witnessed? 900s are pretty gnarly but every 13 year old kid can do it because as soon as you become a full-grown man it's real hard to take those slams but yeah 900 is the gnarliest thing i've seen in real life i think best trick you've ever done that wasn't caught on film i'm not gonna lie i film everything (laughs) (laughs) i think frontside that's very common nowadays i think i've landed uh frontside shove heel down three stairs at bentall's a long time ago like in the early 90s 91 92 and i was like super hyped on it and only my boy teenager saw it yeah getting your reynolds on burial hill man it's tough yeah what's the one trick that got away you know 900 <sighs> damn you tried a few of those eh? i tried hundreds of them damn. <laughs> hundreds of them what's the last new trick you learned i did a combo i did uh no slide no slide to manual 
Yeah, I don't even want to say that, but I did because <laughs> I did, I don't I'm not good at manuals and I'm yeah. not a, I'm not really good at balancing. My balance has never been all that great. Dream job after skating? Yeah, no, I'm living it. I'm a stunt man. I'm a stunt coordinator. I get to do something cool every day. Hell yeah! Favorite local brand? Red Dragon. And shouts out to my brother David Boyce, best brother in the entire world. At this Boyce life. Sick. Favorite local skater? Adam Hopkins. Favorite teammate ever? Favorite teammate ever? Ah, uh, day one. Ooh, crazy. Worst teammate ever? No, no one goes under the bus. Oh. <laughs> Worst company? Skechers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Worst trend? Would have been, but I totally love it, was when everyone had super baggy pants and super small wheels. But yeah. when I, I can look back affectionately now, because that was such a cool time to be a skater. Yeah. So, you know, 91 to 94, everyone was lost. We were <laughs> ravers that skated. It was crazy. Yeah, it looks funny. Those, that footage definitely looks hilarious. It, back, it really does. Worst style? Daniel Gesmir. <laughs> who, I don't know who that is, but YouTube real quick. <laughs> <laughs> we doing it too. Don't worry. <laughs> Never heard of him. Doesn't even exist. Not in the database. <laughs> Last person you want on the sesh? Tweakers. East Hastings vibes. Not. Don't need those on the sesh. Tough to skate. Yeah, I feel bad for them, but I'd rather their frequency wasn't anywhere around me, especially when I'm skating. Yeah, hundred percent. Hey man, that's gonna wrap up our interview with Sluggo. My man, thank you so much for showing us a hell of a time yesterday and then linking up with us again to do the interview. You're putting on for Van, man, and you're a great Canadian skate ambassador, dog. Hey. Lucky to have you, man. I appreciate the both of you. Thanks for what you guys do for Canadian skateboarding and abroad. Hell yeah, thank you so much. Welcome back to the post office and ain't a damn thing changed. We are brought to you by our good friends over at Time Bomb Trading. This is your chance to join the U.S. and Canadian Etnies team in Vancouver for Go Skate Day starting at noon at the Plaza. Following that, head over to Strathcona Park for a barbecue around 4.30 and later in the night there will be a premiere of Time Bomb's brand new video, Three in Front at Fortune Sound Club. Doors at 10.15. Y'all know you can count on Time Bomb to throw an epic event for Go Skate Day. So Vancouver, show up and turn up, baby. Let's get into these emails. You've got mail. All right, first up, we got an email from Kevin Cordell. What's up, dudes? I know this season is over, but just finished the Brad Cromer episode, which is amazing, by the way. And wanted to see if you guys saw Manny's Instagram story after the fact, airing his side of the great cake debacle, as it comes to be known. He seemed pretty butthurt about a seemingly innocent, funny story from their pasts. Kind of kooky on his part, in my opinion. But that led me to remember a story about how, in Atlanta, my friend was skating a damn am contest, and there was a party at someone's house that a bunch of skaters went to. Manny and my friend included. There was a pool party and everyone was chilling, but my friend was chilling and not getting in the water. He was fully clothed. When Manny and another dude started throwing people into the pool, they ended up throwing my boy in by surprise, phone and everything still in his pockets. He is also not a really good swimmer. 
To be fair, Manny was really sorry afterwards and offered to give him some Oakley shades or something to make up <laughs> for the fact. But my man's never got them Oakley shades. What gives, Manny? Also, side note, because his shoes were soaked, he had to skate the contest in some wrecked old shoes and coincidentally fucked his ankle up at the same contest. Holy shit. We blame you, Manny Santiago, you kook. All the love from North Carolina. Keep up the great pod, Kevin Cordell. Wow, yo. Manny, man. You can't be tossing mans in the pool. Homie can't swim. No shades either. That's an all-around big L for Manny Santiago. Edgy ruining his cell phone and ankle. That's pretty fucked up. Man. But offering some shades in return. You wouldn't trade all your all your personal belongings on you for a pair of Oakley shades that never showed up. That sounds like Brandon Beeble to me. Holy Still waiting for that diamond footwear. Cast. What are those shoes called again? The all days, man. <laughs> <laughs> We've been waiting all year. It's been like two years now. Fuck sakes. Goddamn. Kevin Cordell. Thanks for the email, G. All right. Next up, we got an email from Travis Orton, Fantasy Football League. Let's do it. I think last season we mentioned maybe doing a listener league. Uh, me and Dono are still down for that, and I believe we said to send in your resumes. So we got a couple screenshots with Travis's team. Um, I can't access my ESPN league. Yahoo is trash, but took second with this team. Gronk just really killed me, and I lost Kareem Hunt as well. I'm game for a $50 league. I can commission if you'd like. <clears throat> nah, we gonna commission that shit, motherfucker. Working a desk job, I listen to nothing but you guys, and now fantasy football. Let's get it. It would be great to be in a, a non-Wisconsin league where Packers don't fly off the board like crazy. Not sure a draft in person is possible, but definitely tip some high lives back during the draft. All right, let's peep this team. Um, the only thing we noticed here, well, you got, you got, got a, a hell of a team. <clears throat> stack team, but... That's a winning team. You didn't play Samuels in your fucking tight end spot, and you played Gronk. You got to be more on point than that. It's the championship. You know what I'm you saying? You came in second because you played the Gronk. That, that's disgraceful. That's not but good. we appreciate the email, and I think we can save you a spot. Let's yeah, do a Travis 12-man Orton league. could be a, a founding member of this fantasy football league. So, of course, you're in there. But, man, you got to be aware on game day, dog. Hey, man, that's a $50 donation to our pockets. That's what we say. We always like to have one. <laughs> you might be that man, Travis. Let's go ahead with this. Let's do a 12-man league. Me and Donald will either share a team or have our own depending on how many people um send us like a request to be in it i guess we'll do the first 11 or 10 people depending get here while you can money's up front over here yeah yeah it's gonna be an e-transfer i'm sure you guys know you can trust your boys over here at the bunt oh come on it's gonna be fun and i'm looking forward to it let's get it yeah Oh, and make sure, like Travis, you send a screenshot of your team. No fucking fake shit. Your team from last season. We're now accepting applications. All right, next up, we got an email from Justin Sippa. Ants, Safe, and D. I'm a new listener from Philly, and I'm loving what I hear. A couple of friends and I recently began to encourage each other to get back into skating. We're old and terrible, but it feels good to be back. I promise to not take another long hiatus. I'm attempting to brand a new segment within your post office in an attempt to get some more sport and skate conversation sparked. Who is this guy, man? He's trying to tell us how to do our job. <laughs> it's titled The Mini Innie. Here it is. My favorite sports moment. Pittsburgh Penguins back-to-back Stanley Cup wins, 91 and 92. And yes, I wear my Lemieux jersey in Philly. 
and my favorite skate moment, moving to Philly in 98 and showing up at Love for the first time, only to see the entire audio team there. Witnessing Jeremy Ray in 3D was mind-blowing. Thanks for taking the time. Keep up the solid show. Can't wait for the vid. Justin Sippa. Pronounce Sippa, which is what you said. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Here we go. Well, Justin, it was a good try, you know, but we can't have everyone sending us in their favorite sports moment and skate moments. We love to hear it, but unfortunately, we can't agree to read them all on air, man. Maybe if you throw a question in there, you might. Yeah, we need questions, be questions, but we appreciate that. Uh, seeing Jeremy Ray in the flesh must have been dope. Enough respect. Ants one, cue the funeral music for this one. All right, next up, we teased it on Insta, but we got the full email from Christopher Iker's bitch ass. Today is the day, fellas, or should I say bustas? So I said it would be, and it was spoken into existence. Raptors, Bucks, Eastern Conference Finals. Nick Nurse is trying to figure out how to not get embarrassed, while Coach of the Year, Mike Budenholzer, is doing the Birdman hand rub. In the words of the great Cameron, go get your wet wipes, because this shitstorm is coming. Giannis is the KP impact coming to extinct the dinosaurs, because Jurassic Park is going to clear out, it's going to be fucking grimy, and you're not going to like it. After the Bucks breakthrough onto the finals and the Raptors get sent fishing, you can plant your asses back down and bless us with season nine. But before you do, don't forget about the nurse that couldn't stop the bleeding and couldn't save the dinosaurs before the hope fades by game five. Before you ask yourself, why oh why did Giannis have to do us so dirty? Before you wonder if Kawhi is leaving for Los Angeles, just admit, damn, that Iker kid called it. And we thought we were going to do it this year. But we should have put that capital R respect on the Milwaukee Bucks. Keep killing it, guys. Chris Eicher. <laughs> Remember that thing you said about me that one time at that one game? I'm going to let it slide, though. You didn't mean it. It's all good. When I see you um, um, wakeboarding with your friends this summer in Quicksilver shorts, it's, it's going to be all love, I know. Very well written, Christopher. And it was a valiant effort. But it is freezing cold over here inside Studio E after that cold take, man. You couldn't have been any more wrong, my G. Love it. Love the, uh, you know, attempt to intimidate us. But, you know, the only man who looked intimidated was Giannis running into those brick walls we set up. And in Game 3, when they said, fuck it, we're done unless Kawhi guards him straight up. <laughs> it was all over then, bitch naked. Drizzy, all in your heads on the free throw line. Bunch of air balls. You could count on at least one from Giannis every game. Ain't nothing you can do, man. That was the funny part. You know they were stressing when they started blaming Drake for their issues. I'm, I'm not even a fan of Drake, but if you're an NBA player or coach and you're allowing a fucking fan to get in your head, you ain't built for that shit, man. Making calls to Adam Silver over just a fan sitting courtside, man. What's he got to do with the game, really? Game six was a beautiful thing, man. Happy birthday to me, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> The only man who couldn't stop the bleeding wasn't Nick Nurse because he stopped it after game two. It was Mike shit-ass Budenholzer. Four games straight, lost? Are you kidding me? What kind of fucking adjustments did you make? Oh, wait, none? Yeah, trash-ass bucks. Better luck next year, eh? Yeah, I got some work to do, man. 
All right, next up, we got a voice note from Jake Leonard. Let's take a listen. No relation to Kawhi, though. What's up, Bump Boys? This is Jake from the UK. Uh, long-time listener. I've emailed you once before. You read it out, which was sick. Uh, before I'd send you a little voice note. Um, there's a couple of new trick trends that are really starting to get on my nerves. Um, one of them being um, when a person like Manny's a Manny pad and then carries on the manual afterwards on like the flat sidewalk or pavement. That really fucking pisses me off. Then they might ollie into another a manual or like flip into another one and then flip out again and land in another manual. It's just it's just fucking bollocks. Um, and then some people as well, they just they do a really long money and then there's a little bit of sidewalk left before the road and then they just don't put all their wheels down when they land it and they just do a little half-second money. Just terrible, terrible behaviour. The other one being is the, the nolly backside flip, Musker style. I see this so, so much at the moment. Um, also, switch frontside flip, just Musker style. The main perpetrator being Weck, actually. Uh, he's, he's so fucking sick and he's really funny, but those switch frontside flips have got to go, man. They're, they're just, they're fucking horrible to fucking watch. Horrible, horrible. Oh, he's not going to like it when he, if he hears that. But anyway, um... I thought I'd see what you guys thought. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Jake, Reggie. I gotta say, I agree for the most part, but I feel for my man Dono over here, who is guilty of one of those. Didn't you do a Manny, 180 switch Manny? Oh, yeah. Yo, I was actually thinking about that spot the other day and thought about doing another trick where I continued on the Manny. <laughs> Jake, man. Those are all right. You know, they're all right if they're few and far between and like it's the, the right looking spot. But yeah. Too many of them are like overly tech with too many combo manis. Yeah, definitely not a fan. But it can be tasteful if you do the right one. And then Muska flips. Yeah, I don't fuck with those. I, I've been seeing only on more a quarter pipe, man. Only on a quarter pipe, dog. As far as coming at our boy Weck, hey man, you ain't wrong about him. But they don't piss me off like they piss you off, I guess. Yeah, I'm down for a Nora Muska flip tail stall. That's you know what, what I'm saying. saying. And Tranny, it looks it looks dope. Appreciate the voice note, bruv. Keep them coming. All right, lastly, we got an email from Tim Hogan. Congrats. What's fucking good, champs? Congrats on the Raptors championship, boys. I can't wait for the season of ships. I'm hoping Kawhi resigns with Toronto and the North remains king of the East. I got a question for the mailbox, you diggy. What do you make of the AD trade? Fuck LeBron, so I'm not paying much attention towards the Lakers. New Orleans' young core is looking nice with their new assets. Again, I can't wait for season nine, and it's always a cool thing still. Yo, Tim, bruv, respect on the love. I don't know where you're from, but it sounds like you're not from Toronto, but you still got love for us and want us to stay on top in the East, so we definitely appreciate that. Uh, definitely hoping Kawhi resigns these next two weeks. You know, we're going to be on pins and needles waiting. Mm-hmm. As far as the Lakers situation, we'll break that down more in the rundown. You see it. But first impressions is, goddamn, they gutted their whole damn team. Terrible. They got two stars and not a lot of money. If they grab a third star, there's going to be zero money and just all these minimum guys. But what is it? They got like $22 million left or 27 22 i think that's not enough for a yeah slot. i know that so they can't even make a third star because they should chop that up and try to get three or four role players but you know that's not going to be the, the move they make yeah. but yo the beginning of that email damn 
That's got a nice sound to it. Raptors Championship, Season of Ships, Kawhi resigns with Toronto, the North remaining King of the East. Tim, you know how to push our buttons over here, dog. And New Orleans' new core is looking fucking blessed. They could, I could see them fighting for the eight seed. I'm not gonna put them in if they mesh and Zion, you know, lives up to the hype. Year one, they could be like a a ten to eight seed, and uh, the future is looking very, very bright. All right, y'all, keep sending them emails into the bunt live at gmail.com and then voice notes. Be like your boy Jake Leonard, man. Y'all know why we here. It's for the rundown, baby. The greatest sports segment in any skateboarding podcast ever and we back and we talking nba playoffs y'all know why because we kings in the north baby we're gonna give you a quick rundown of every series we missed while we were on our summer vacation yeah let's do a rapid fire playoff bracket analysis but yo man's talking about the best sports segment in a skateboard podcast i don't think that's too hard to do because we're probably the only one but i'll take number one so that's why we're number one baby (laughs) let's get into it we're gonna do a little more in-depth on the raptors but you know we don't discriminate against any team we talk in every playoff series starting with the warriors and the clippers my first thought pat bev man in his head for a bit and then kd went nuclear they pushed the warriors as far as any team other than the raptors took them to fucking game six one twice in oracle uh, that's beast mode. Shouts to them. Their team, I mean, hopefully they don't get Kawhi, but I love their team, and they're on the up and up. Montrezl, baby. I love you, G. Next up, Rockets and Jazz. I would have liked to see the Jazz do a little bit more in their second stint in the playoffs with this young core, but, I mean, the Rockets are the Rockets, man, and James Harden can beat most teams in the NBA by himself. Yeah, they didn't have home court, which I believe they did last year against OKC. Shit, cuz. Keep, keep doing your thing. Rudy, we love you, Donovan Mitchell. But you guys just got fucked by the bracket. Jingling Joe Ingles, baby. Next up, feels like two playoffs ago, Trailblazers and Thunder, one of the most exciting series of the NBA playoffs. Y'all know what moment it was for me, man. Dame Dollar, your first-round pick in fantasy, I think, came yep. through in fantasy and in real life. Goddamn, what a legend. That was one of the best series of the entire playoffs. This sure. was also almost like a good guy versus bad guy at the end. The Trailblazers kind of conduct themselves the same way the Raptors do on the court. Not too much shit talking, not getting in anyone's face, not trying to clown your opponent, having respect for everyone. And that's why I think it was even better that the Trailblazers came out on top. Oh, everyone was rooting for the Blazers except for Thunder fans. Uh, the way Westbrook's beating his chest and yelling all kinds of nonsense to Dame Dollar, who's lighting him up. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful to watch, man. Felt bad for Paul George, man. He was definitely injured. And uh, I think the Thunder still have a great team, though. Me too, me too. I, I got love for the Thunder. Last up in the West for round one. This is a crazy series, man. I think it took a little bit of gas out of the Nuggets tank. But the Spurs and Denver. That was epic. Uh, I was rooting for Denver, not going to lie. You know, obviously want to see DeRozan succeed. But there's something about the system that's just kind of boring. And uh, that team doesn't have that many exciting players on it these days. Um, I'm excited for DeJounte Murray to be back next year, though, and see what he's got in the tank 
after his ACL surgery. But uh, Nuggets, whoo, they look the, the future is bright as hell. Yeah. And that was an awesome series and building block for the, those guys' confidence. Moving on to round two, it was the Warriors and Rockets rematch of last year's Western Conference Finals. The Rockets need more, man, is all I can say. Hey, all these reports have been coming out. The beef was real with James Harden and Chris Paul. And, yo, I know Chris Paul, everywhere he goes, he has beef with his teammates. But this time... You're on his side? Reggie, I just could not handle playing with James Harden. No, it would be tough. He fucking highest usage in the league. And then the worst part is when he's not part of the play, he just stands in the corner and just doesn't even move. Like, he, he just gives up if it's not all about him. Uh, I don't like playing with dudes like that, and I, I don't blame Chris Paul for being pissed. He's a fucking floor general who's just being relegated to a stand-in shooter when Harden's on the floor with him. Great Fuck regular that. season player, James Harden is. Super exciting to watch on those dreary nights in December and January. <laughs> but when the sun is shining in May and June, you need a team, dog. And yo, other than the finals and the Raps winning it all and the Bucks series, I think my favorite part of the entire playoffs was game six of that series no kd it's it sucked to see him go down but i remember when that happened thinking damn the dynasty is over i didn't think they had i actually thought the exact same rockets are coming out on top here and then steph put the team on his back in game five in the fourth and then game six was um other than the dame dollar shot that might have been one of my favorite games in the entire playoffs that was very special watching them win in houston dollar shot i can think of another shot oh yeah yeah, true True. (laughs) come on next up trailblazers and nuggets you see i was rooting for the trailblazers here all along because i love dame dollar and they won well deserved but all along in the back of my head i thought if the nuggets can get there they might be a better team to play against the warriors yeah i think if denver made it to the conference finals uh, Sports is just such a team of matchups, you know. Yeah, they I'm like the Trailblazers can beat them, but I felt like the deeper team, more of a system, that they would have a better chance against the Warriors. They would have been fucked in the post. No, no one on uh, Denver also always matches up well with the Warriors. I've seen them beat them in the regular season in the last couple years, and they were ready. But I think next year, look out for them. They didn't even have the number four pick. I think Michael Porter Jr. play a single game. They're gonna be scary next season. But that was one of those ones where I love both teams so much. Damon CJ versus Gary Harris and fucking the big man. Fuck Gary Harris. This is Jamal Murray's playoffs, man. Yeah, no, for sure. But I love Gary Harris a little more just for whatever reason. That's Jamal Murray's team now. But this leads what? us. This is the Joker's team. Oh, besides the Joker. No, I'm yeah. saying over oh, Gary yeah, Harris. Yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> Yo, it might even be Jamal Murray's team next season. Which leads us to the Warriors and the Trailblazers. I just thought the Blazers ran out of gas, man. I mean, not having Nurk finally caught up to them. They were getting banged out in the post. Kevon Looney really emerged in that series. Uh, it was good to see. It was also beautiful to watch the uh, the non-KD Warriors again. The ball movement was incredible. Uh, but I also really respected, even though they got swept, it was good to see the the Blazers go down swinging and losing in OT. Like, they didn't just roll over. Man, they were up by double digits in, I think, every single game. They just couldn't hold on. I think it was three out of the four. Yeah, they were up by 17 in two of them and 20 in one of them. That Warriors third quarter is nothing to be taken lightly. Unless you're the Raptors. <laughs> okay, let's get to that. It's time for the Eastern Conference. Starting at the top. Bucks and Pistons. Fuck the Bucks, man. 
Blake Griffin gave it a go. I think it was in game four. Yeah. But we knew it was over. That, nothing to say about that. Yeah, Blake Griffin played in game three or four. They were getting smashed by like 20 every game. That was dusty series. Next up, Celtics and Pacers. Same thing. No Oladipo. Not much to speak on. They actually kept it close. And I think two or three of the games, they were down to the wire. But when it was crunch time and your fucking go-to guy, we love him, Bogdanovich. But come on, man. That's it's not the one. Yeah, even though the Celtics the Celtics were feeling nice off a of sweep, but it's like it was a it was an illusion. Mm-hmm. Next up, Sixers and Nets. That one seemed like it was gonna be epic when uh, it started off. The very Nets epic. won game one and yeah. then unfortunately lost four straight but there was some close games and i just want to call out Embiid. we love Embiid. you no, know i don't love Cam- oh not anymore no. anyways cameroon stand up i love Embiid. but this man was fucking calling out the toronto raptors crowd when they cheered on kd and obviously that was whack but we don't want to hear it from you you're the one who fucking elbowed the shit out of jared allen and then laughed about it in the press conference so shut your fucking mouth Embiid. yeah we know who's got shit. them tears in the eyes now and last up for round one in the Eastern Conference, Toronto Raptors versus the Orlando Magic. We gave them their time. We gave them their DJ Augustine game. And that will forever be remembered. But light work for Kawhi after that. Bro, that really pissed me off. I was like, here we go. The Kawhi Everyone factor. Here you know what go. I'm saying? And especially Lowry having zero points. He makes it really hard. to. It's a, it's a love-hate thing with Lowry in the playoffs. He Fortunately, the corner, man. Yeah, yeah, no. But, you know, just to but start it, it like that, like to start that. like that, you're like, here we go again. Zero. I think that that said, everyone said that. Here we go again. Yeah. That was Toronto. But moving on to round two, which was probably the best second round the Eastern Conference has seen in a while. Four really good teams. Starts with the Bucks and the Celtics. I mean, that, that didn't live up to the hype. They won game one by 22. The Celtics did. And it was like, oh, shit, Paul Pierce notoriously said it's over and then they lost four straight getting smacked in all of them um shouts to the bucks you know what i'm saying and the celtics <laughs> peace out Kyrie. and then moving on the sixers and the raptors huge series absolutely huge series man some big time moments in this for me it was i think it was game four we were down 2-1 pretty much on the if you go down 3-1 it's tough to fight back from as everybody knows and Ibaka this is where he really asserted himself for the first time in the playoffs yeah he saved us I think he had five threes maybe mm-hmm. something crazy like that some just blocks. a huge game huge energy something the team could build off and everyone talks about the shot in game seven but the shot in game four yep. was just as big over in beads bitch ass on the fucking right wing Woo! that three like weird fucking awkward shot got it to go i think we went up by four and never looked back sixers they got to be feeling nice if they can bring that team back and actually have a full year together they got to look in the mirror though and treat their opponents with some fucking respect though oh yeah and be i think it's just it got out of control yeah and one thing i want to say about the raptors and especially Kawhi leonard right here Everything is being made so much of Pascal and Kyle and Fred Van Vliet. They weren't around in the 76ers series. Yo, that, that's some real That was shit. the Kawhi Leonard show. Kawhi Leonard did that his damn self. And that's why he was a little banged up in the Milwaukee series because he got no help, man. 
he had such a high points per game for the playoffs and i think most of it was from yeah. the 76ers he was dropping 39 in his sleep but that was really pissing me off because that was the type of shit where i was like yo if Kawhi's dropping 39 and we lose yeah. that's the type of shit that makes you want to leave toronto absolutely luckily they pulled it off and the team came together in the next two rounds but we were looking like pure shit we it looked so easy in game one the yeah. game we were a different team like the adjustments were real uh every every game like we were blowing them out then they'd blow us out a couple of close ones but god damn that was a roller coaster of emotion that series right there is in years past where the raptors would end their season oh for sure there was no pushback they didn't have a guy who would take over like Kawhi would on both ends of the floor and uh that right there stole our hearts man that was that was Kawhi's season on mother's day shot bounce series (laughs) sending fucking Joel Embiid down the tunnel with tears in his eyes but take that trash talk somewhere else he's gonna come back humbled next year I hope because I love the guy, but, you know, he's young. He's learning. And uh, it was good to see that emotion from him. Neeks, you were probably fucking looking like Embiid, too, after Game 7, eh? So that moves us to the Eastern Conference Finals. The Milwaukee Bucks versus the Toronto Raptors. Christopher Iker's final resting place. <laughs> it was a hell of a time, man. Going down 2-0. And then... Double overtime in game three. Lots of places for this team to roll over and quit, but they didn't, man. Reggie, four straight. That's something special. It's historic. The last time I remember that was San Antonio versus OKC. I forget what year it was. I'd never seen such beautiful basketball from San Antonio. The ball movement was through the roof, and they smashed them two games straight. And then it was the first time I've seen Westbrook and Durant actually pass the ball that much but they just basically mimicked the spurs and then came back and beat them four straight to go i think they went to the finals that year uh, oh so i guess it was 2011 but um or 12 but yo coming back from 02 man miami d wade and shaq did it in 06 it's a rare thing and it's a beautiful thing to watch when you're the team coming back when you're a fan of that team and you think <laughs> it's a wrap and you win four straight yo fuck you christopher Riker. sorry that was harsh but uh oh, you said worse things to him already but christopher Riker, man drizzy beat you guys and that's the saddest part dog when he's in your head that's a big problem for y'all air balls the raptors started playing the percentages letting giannis shoot and to his credit he nailed a couple threes in game six some big ones when people some big uh, ones. yeah that had me shaking my head but we started playing the percentages letting bledsoe take his shots from deep covering up on middleton doing a little bit better job on brooks lopez because he went absolutely nuclear in game one you guys stole that one back from us but what i saw mostly in this series was not to not to fear a big lead there were multiple times against the bucks they had us down especially in game six over double digits late in the third quarter over double digits and this is when fred van vliet found his footing and uh he might have a statue in toronto after this playoff series man and that was the uh now famous Lowry on the fast break turn around to Kawhi slam on Giannis's head oh yeah to cap that I think what was it a 13-0 run or something remember when we were watching game six in the first quarter Kawhi's bounce was not there man yo I I was scared he was was limping off the jump but you see him limping after the finals too like he's a a true warrior Um, the board man had his defining moment when he grabbed that board off his own free throw 
He just took over, man. He wasn't taking no for an answer. The Raptors made their first finals ever, dog. I was thinking about it from the Bucks perspective. How frustrating that must be, because you know when we we will have like Danny Green have zero points one game, like yeah. Lowry, and, and I was like, damn, man. Like imagine being a Bucks fan and seeing Bledsoe take all those shots. That he must have shot like twenty something percent that series. It was disgraceful, and uh, even Middleton was fucking taking games off. Who I love, um, so that must have been frustrating for the Bucks. But you're a titch one invisible. Oh my God, he where was, was dust. he, man? Brooke Lopez snapped like twice, but then was pretty useless in the other games. But they're a good team, and the, the future is bright. Oh, obviously, we got you love know for Giannis the Bucks. Giannis is the heart of a lion, man. He's probably in the gym. We never had anything bad to say against the Bucks. We feared the deer, to be honest with you. Real shit. They cooked on us in the regular season. But this one goes to Nick Nurse, man. Uh, that's Just superior say. coaching. MVP of that Another series. Another thing we always missed when we had Dwayne Casey, Mr. No Adjustments. Nick Nurse, <laughs> he stood by what he thought was right and gave all his players a chance, man. There were times when he could have given up on Fred Van Vliet and Norm Powell and even Danny Green, and he never did, which is why it was probably a great thing playing for Nick Nurse. Hell of a coach. He's a player coach for sure. Of Siakam, the emergence, that's all Nick Nurse. Yo, we don't miss you one bit, Dwayne Casey. Have fun, Detroit. Yeah, and y'all come back here and we win feel a regular bad. season game and y'all trying to get in our heads. <laughs> we feel bad for DeRozan, obviously, not being a part of it, and obviously the other, the JVs and DeLon Wrights, but one dude we do not miss is Dwayne Casey's dusty ass. Yeah, man. You, you worse than Frank Vogel. <laughs> well, maybe not, but... <laughs> That leads us to the NBA Finals, our first appearance ever. We were in Vancouver for the first two games, and they took the first one. And from that point on, I think the belief took over in the city, man. Yo, I didn't, I didn't start believing. I'm not gonna lie, cause I didn't want to get excited. I knew you, you were, you didn't know who to cheer for, cause your love for Golden State. Well, yeah, didn't want to get your no, hopes no, no. up too high. But I knew, I knew in my heart of hearts that the Raptors. Um, I wanted the Raptors to win, but it was just such a strange feeling for me because I've been on the Warriors wagon. They've well, saved your NBA numerous years for you. That's what I'm saying, man. Like like I said on the pod before, I drafted Steph Curry in 2015, first overall. And you know what kind of bond you form with your first overall hey, pick. It's so I've been watching all 82 games for this entire run and playoffs, obviously. And... Uh, so part of me was like, I, I want Steph's legacy. I want him to get a finals MVP. But then the other part of me was like, yo, this is T-Dot, man. This is home. And this could be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So, like, I'd cheer for a Steph 3, but then I'd be like, nah, nah. All right, Kawhi, like, break him down. It was, it was odd, but when it finally ended, that was one of the best feelings ever. Insane. So let's get a quick run-through of all the games. Game 1, Toronto wins on our home court absolutely spectacular performance creates this belief in toronto for game two well because yo but going into that game everyone was saying warriors and five warriors and six. Oh, no one jalen rose us. the legend of pain uh and kendrick perkins actually both said toronto they were like two of the only people that i heard in like the media actually. my thought process was always we're a deeper team and i I've watched a lot of Raptors games this year. Obviously, you missed some here and there, whatever, you're busy. But I've watched a lot. And in Milwaukee, that was they'd reached their peak as a team. Yeah. This team was building towards this performance. They never played better. I think Kawhi got them through the first two rounds, and they started to believe, like, 
like we always said, if we can just get you guys to fucking chip in on top of Kawhi's 40, anything is fucking possible. And when they beat Milwaukee in one four straight, coming in on that high, couldn't have been better, man. This is the best timing, and it's a, an accumulation of all these great experiences into a game one win. But that's why I wasn't getting too hyped because I knew they had the momentum. They were feeling themselves, and the Warriors had nine days off. So I'm like, okay, sometimes that'll happen. Shots are falling. It and sometimes then, won't. They're missing shots, yeah. Then the Warriors, yeah, game two, they came back and won. But the crazy we thing We should have won that we, one. Yeah, we it? almost came back. Like, in the first um, three games, I think the Warriors... Or, sorry, in the first four... The Raptors won 13 of 16 quarters. Yeah. So that that said a lot. So when we were up 3-1. But anyways, yeah, back to game two. They they won a barn burner in Toronto. So they now they have home court. That was kind of a scary feeling. You had to expect that they were going to punch back. Yeah, for sure. So much respect to them, man. The way they went down. Uh, but yeah, going back to Oracle. Fucking 1-1 was definitely not a great feeling. But then that that quote came out about Nick Nurse being like, let's just get one. And Kawhi's like, fuck that. Let's get them both. Pfft, what happened, dog? That's a leader, man. When a soft-spoken man like that stands up and tells you we're winning two on the road at Golden State, you listen. And you fucking deliver. And the boys did, man. Coming back home 3-1. I've never seen our city preparing for a sports game like Game 5, man. Reggie, that well, so yeah, taking the two in Oracle was was savage, uh, and then Game Five, very very tragic game, and uh, we all watched that together. Y'all, the, much y'all was were getting, made in the press about that timeout by Nick Nurse, but I don't actually see it as a bad timeout. They're up six, two minutes left. Am I right? No, that's that's where I'm completely on the other side of that. We rebound. Kyle's coming up. My thought is that Nick Nurse is going for the kill shot, man. He wants to set a play that he's almost positive they're going to get two points on or maybe even three, and it didn't work out. I think it was three minutes left, 3.28 maybe. But the fuck thing was the momentum. I think we scored 12 straight, and Kawhi scored 10 straight points Mm -hmm. to come back from down six. So it's 103 to 97 for us when we call the timeout but we were we'd been down the whole game right Mm -hmm. we finally get the lead and go up six Kawhi's in a zone like i've never seen like if they won it in that game that was like some jordan-esque shit he hit two huge threes and two twos uh we're up six and then they cross half court like and the warriors were fucking dust yeah, they Yo, were exhausted. Steph was p- throwing up bricks. Like, they were looking so discombobulated. Like, oh. it was the beginning of them feeling like, Yo, this is really it over. Could be over. And then they just killed their own momentum. Yeah, Nick Nurse, timeout. And Raptors the- come out, get a terrible shot. Then I think another terrible turnover after that. And he only called the timeout because you lose your timeouts yeah, after, after three minutes. Point. Yeah. So that was, I don't know, man. That was just like, and he's like, oh, our guys were, were tired. Reggie, it's the finals. Both teams Everyone's are tired. tired yeah. This is when you find that, that fucking third tank of gas. Yeah. And you just you close it out. And in all the other games in the series, with about three minutes left, all the, the three wins we had, Kawhi manages the clock so well, gets to the free throw line. Like mm-hmm. He would have just taken us home, but then momentum changed, came back in, and the game yeah, ended on a 9-2. to two, Three threes. But that was the last time I was like... I wasn't cheering for them, but I was very proud of the Warriors 
to push back. You know what I mean? Like, not give up. It, it was good to it see. It was easy to pack it in right there. Yeah, a lot of teams would have packed it in right there. Like the 2013 Heat. But they couldn't wait to get smacked by the Spurs. A team that's won three times in the last four years, so excited to win a game. They were relieved. They thought they were back in the series. Everyone in Toronto didn't want that to be our defining moment, the Nick Nurse timeout. Yeah. Because then you put the... Honestly, I never thought they were going to lose the whole like the whole series, but it did put a little bit of worry back in my head that I didn't have when we were well, on 3-1. Well, it did for a second. Not really, but... We glossed over the fact that KD tore his fucking Achilles in that game. Yeah. And when he left the game, they were up by eight, and we ended up winning by one point. So KD, in a way, won them that game. If he doesn't play, I think we we beat them. And he looked damn good in that fucking game. Bro, he was scary. Like Holy shit. Like, I texted when you. When he dunked in pregame and was hanging on the rim, and everyone was like, question, I'm like, holy fuck, he looks healthy as shit. When they came out and went five for five from three, and KD yeah. hit... Had 11 points in 12 minutes. But, yo, Steve Kerr, man. How are you going to play this, man? 12 of the first 14 minutes of a game with no Must time win, restriction. Man. Yeah. Yeah, but come on, man. Play him like five minutes a quarter or something. Like, first yeah. game in over a month. He's a man. That was fucked shit, man. Let's bring it back to game six. The Warriors took game five, like we said. And then we knew it was time. Game six came. The city was still buzzing. We were a little nervous for this one back on the road, but we do well in Oracle, and King Kawhi held us down again, man. But it started with Kyle Lowry with an insane first quarter. There was a crazy stat where if Kyle Lowry scores five points or more in the first quarter, where I think it was like 80% to win as opposed to when he doesn't, came out, dropped 15 in the first quarter, I think I it think was. Yeah, the first 11 points oh for the Raps. Oh my God, beautiful. Reggie, you already know what happened to me. I'm very sad. I was working. I watched the first three quarters. They called rap on this fucking commercial. It was seven minutes in the fourth, and I had to drive the director home, and I missed the most epic quarter in Raptors history, so fill me in. Well, man, they didn't quit. They didn't give up. The Raptors were, they came out hot, but then the, the Warriors, they came back, tied it up, and then they took the lead. Unfortunate what happened to Clay Thompson. Very scary injury. Not what we wanted to see. But Fred Van Vliet basically had his shiny moment, man. When he came over on the screen, hit the step back three, that's when we knew it was over. Yo, I, it felt like that fool didn't miss a shot since the Milwaukee series when he turned it on. I'd like to see what his percentage was in the last two series from three. Because once he had his son... Fred Van Vliet Jr. is a different man. Uh, yeah, shouts to Fred. You're a Toronto legend forever. Well, this whole roster is, goddammit. Absolutely. I did see the last 18 seconds, and it did piss me off that uh, the refs just extended it like that. Like, just delaying the celebration, it kind of yeah. kills the vibe a little bit. But, goddamn, man, it was good to see those mans fucking jumping around and spraying champagne. The board man got paid, and we got fucking paid, too. The city was turned up. Young and Dundas was absolutely insane. We went to our favorite watering hole, City Pool. Had a mini celebration of our goddamn very own. And the Raptors gave us something that we've never seen in our adult years. I was six, five and six, which means the Ghost was four and five when the Blue Jays won back in 92, 93. And here we are, 2019, the season of goddamn championships. That playoff run, was my favorite sports moment. I'll never forget it, man. Real fucking talk, man. There was a bunch of highs and lows, mostly in that Philly series, man. That was pissing me off. But 
it's still surreal to me man watching the the parade or we went to the parade yesterday it was so fun uh but it's it, i swear it hasn't sunk in like i'm so addicted to the nba and you it, it all means so much and then we're actually champs now like it's just still doesn't feel real it never feels like enough yeah. you know that's, that's what a, that's sports man. that's why we need Kawhi to come back and let's defend this bitch man five more years Kawhi, you coming back the bond that he has created with these guys serge Ibaka is like a father of the team it feels like <laughs> uh i can't see Kawhi leaving man only time will tell and we definitely both got our fingers crossed as well as the rest of toronto all right y'all all of that accumulated in a Toronto Raptors championship, which is why we're back on the air right now. But now that we're here, you know you got us for 12 straight weeks. You know where to be every Wednesday. The interviews are popping. The rundown's popping. And you know it's popping off over at the post office. Thanks for listening to episode one. Hey, July 3rd, get your championship tea ASAP.